Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Alex Avila with Love University, and we're back. I'm an author, psychologist, and speaker. Every week, we talk about how to love ourselves, others, and a higher nature, how to improve our career, finances, relationships, health, and spirituality. And today, we have a very special guest, a very interesting and fascinating guest named Jamie Ray, who is a transformational life and relationship coach. He's an award-winning screenwriter, filmmaker, and comedian. He combines a deeply somatic and energetic approach to help move clients to deeper levels of integration and release inside the body. His goal is to help clients unlock their power, claim their voice, and connect deeply to their greatest soul potential. Welcome, Jamie, to the show. Thank you so much for, for having me, Dr. Avila. Yeah. I really am excited yeah. to be here. I appreciate yes. it. Yes, it's Avila. It's the same pronunciation. Avila, Avila. Yeah, your name was Ray, so I had to get that down. So we got that. I, I didn't ask you about your name. I, I feel bad now. Oh, no problem. Okay, no problem. Now, one thing you talk about is you say deeply somatic and energetic work. I know you're, you're a yeah. coach, personal coach. Uh, so what does that mean, deeply somatic and energetic? Yeah, so so I basically feel like they're, you know, I guess kind of step one, you know, this is just, I guess, my opinion, but step one and kind of the awakening transformation process is just first like figuring out like, you know, why we are the way we are, trying to figure out what our patterns are. And so I think kind of step one, and this is something that I learned through my own like awakening process and working with tons of clients, but it's just very kind of intellectual at first. Yes. It's like we need to understand like, okay, I am this way. And so it kind of brings context, but in order to actually integrate and actually be able to create true transformation you know I really think it's more cellular that we have to be able to actually integrate it into the body right. so it's kind of this process where you know I like to be able to speak to the body to kind of know what's happening in the body so it's kind of this body first kind of way of, of transformation and just yes. allowing the body to kind of dictate and so I feel the somatic approach allows you to kind of integrate the things that you're beginning to understand intellectually and yes. so it's this kind of the integration process yeah there's a, a psychologist Vanderkoek who talks about trauma imprints in the body yeah and the fact that you know for example things like yoga and obviously I've done martial arts we incorporate some of that in our practice Aikido yeah. you know, soft martial arts and Tai Chi so certain movements can kind of connect you with the pain in the body and kind of release it now one thing I like about you first of all Jamie you're a great writer I mean I, I love Thank writing you. and you're very Thank smooth you so you're very detailed and also you're very paradoxical in the way you're approach your philosophy of love and life. And uh, there's a term called paradoxical intention in psychology or therapy. Right. Dr. Frankel talks about it in which you basically embrace what you fear and that takes away the fear. So for example, yeah. people who stutter a lot, Frankel or other therapists would say, uh, become the best stutterer in the world. Stutter all you can. And that takes right, away right. the fear that you're going to stutter. So you actually probably right. will stutter less. Uh, one right. of the paradoxes you have is interesting. You, you say, embrace your inner monster. Uh, yeah. You talk about you know, the uh, unexpressed anger, maybe the dark side. And yeah. you talked about the shadow, you know, the shadow side that we have Completely. that we see in others, yeah. but we deny in ourselves. It could be selfishness, greed, or, or even anger. So you talk about yeah. that in an interesting way. So tell us a little bit about that, embracing your inner monster. Yeah. So, I mean... I guess I kind of see it as, you know, this is just my own kind of spiritual philosophy, but, you know, kind of take everything even even that's in the Bible or just kind of spiritual context with, you know, we have this idea of, of a God, maybe it's like, you know, physical deity or maybe it's energy, whatever we subscribe to and take this idea of, of Satan. And I believe that we, you know, all have a heaven and hell inside of us. We all have a God and we have a Satan, you know, we, we can say Satan would be something like, you know, deep shame or, or, or that rage or, or whatever it might be. And I really, really believe that we need to really know what our shadow and our dark side is if we want to be able to ascend and actually embody like true joy. Mm -hmm. And when it comes, you know, in, in the context, I think you're referring to with have you met your monster, it's basically that we all have anger mm -hmm. and we all have rage and this explosiveness. And I feel right. we become really, really dangerous mm -hmm. even when, when we don't 
Well, we don't know that monster because we all have a monster. And then that monster will basically run on its own script and all of a sudden come out of nowhere. And it's like someone's like, holy cow, like I didn't know that I had that living inside of me. Yes. But if we kind of meet that monster, if we kind of go down to the depths, you know, and that monster could look like deep shame or it could look like, you know, anger you have that your father left, like like whatever it might be. Right. But the more we kind of unlock that door and, and I kind of see it as like we get to know little mini monsters, mm. you know, we kind of work our way. And then that way we can actually hold the monster in our body in a safer yes. capacity yes. if we've actually met and unlocked that door. But if we haven't unlocked that door, mm. then that's like scary. Yes. Because all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the resentment's going to build up. You might be in a relationship. You might be in like your peer friend circle. And then you might say all these these curse words out of nowhere and just explode. Everyone's like, "What just happened?" Mm-hmm. And it's like that's not even about you. That's about the fact my father left or something. But we right, haven't right. met that monster. So so that's kind of the way I see it. Is that yeah. we can create a lot of safety within ourselves, and then how we approach our interpersonal relationships if yes. we really understand that dark that yes. dark side but it's not even our dark side but just it could be anything like you know shadow within ourselves i like that yeah that's interesting and the idea that young talked about the idea that we need to integrate it but not be possessed by it yeah uh, he says that it's, it's, if you're possessed by it you would basically fall into your own trap and fall with below your level and i'm thinking yeah. of the the great movie uh i think you know what i'm talking about uh the clown that puts on a happy face Oh, is it uh, us? Uh, well, uh, we're talking about, <laughs> well, the Joker, let's say. Oh, the Joker. Uh, so okay. the Joker. Well, I guess we're all little Jokers, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. you said how we kind of like try to be polite and nice, but then inside there's, right. there's anger. And if you die, it explodes. But oh, in that case of Joaquin Phoenix here in the Joker, he actually was possessed, became possessed, right? He became a killer. Uh, mm. So what's the fine line with the, between being possessed by the shadow and integrating the shadow? Yeah. And, you know, I think we see that a lot, you know, I mean, this is in a way a little bit of a generalization, so I don't want to go there too much. But sometimes you see it in spiritual communities who get very obsessed with shadow work. And I believe, you know, you could call this a paradox or you could just say, but I believe so much of just the work of healing and transformation is actually learning how to hold excitement, learning how to hold joy. Because for a lot of us, like being in joy, we hit that point where it's like, ooh, then it reminds our body of the imprint of our dad used to yell at us when we had too much joy. And so we only have a threshold we can go to. Hmm. But I think, you know, in terms of going into the shadow, I think Hmm. a big thing, um, you know, in terms of what you're talking about is living there is we need to actually move the material. Hmm. And if we don't move the material, this is just what I believe that there's a chance that we could kind of live in that space. And it can almost become this, this fail safe where it's, Oh, I'm just going to go process and do shadow work. And we just kind of end up living in the darkness because we don't really actually move the material all the way. Does that mean mean like do a curse word or you're angry or, or express your anger? What does that mean? Yeah. So, so it could be anything. It could be doing yoga. It could be doing uh, breath work, which, mm-hmm. you know, I found really, really huge. It could be doing body work, working with a, a body work practitioner. Okay. It could be just like yelling and screaming mm-hmm. into your pillow. Um, okay. It could just mean the fact that the material even just moves on its own, but the material is not always going to move. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, just movement has always been really, really big. Um, I have a really big body work, you know, I work, right. I do body, body work a few times a week because it just helps to kind of move stuck energy. Right. Right. Um, so, so if I'm pissed off, uh, Jamie, should I do mixed martial arts and kick someone's, uh, behind or what should I do? Well, uh, like, I, like yeah. I'm curious, like what, what your experience in mixed yeah. martial arts, cause I've heard a lot of people mm-hmm. talk about, yes. um, mixed martial arts as being a great way to even just have controlled anger. Well, I've done uh, Kempo Karate and also, uh, Kung Fu. So those yeah. arts, uh, are kind of like harmonious in a sense. Yeah. I do you know, Aikido, 
is basically holds and, and throws. So you basically connect with the person's energy and then you lead right. them where you want them to go. So it's kind of wow. like um, not, you're not creating conflict, you're resolving it, you're harmonizing. That's but amazing. It's a very powerful idea. Yeah. Now, the other thing is uh, I find interesting in your material, he says that nice guys can be scary. Now, uh, Reggie, our producer, is a very nice guy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. But, yeah. uh, uh, you know, like always saying uh, thank you, polite, you know, be said that can hide yeah. some inner anger. Is that bad? Yeah. If you're, uh, what if you're a wonderfully happy guy? Is that possible to be that or a woman? Is that possible or are they hiding something inside? Yeah, I think people can totally be wonderful and happy. But I also have this this philosophy. Um, and again, it's not everyone. Some people just have do have sunny dispositions. But a lot of the time, yes. the happiest people are ones like, you know, that, that are the most angry or, mm. or have the most mm. grief that they haven't expressed. Mm. Um, but the reason why I say like nice guys, like I compare nice versus kind ah. because nice, anyone can be nice. Like a serial mm. killer, serial, serial killers are actually like the nicest mm. people. If you see them in movies, mm. they so nice and polite. Right. Whereas kind is very much just like, it's mm. kind of this unwavering state. You're a kind mm. person. It's very much embodied in your heart. Whereas right. like nice Nice can be a mask. Anyone wow. can be nice. Okay. And that's why someone I find who's overly nice is a little bit dangerous because it feels like, you know, overtly that they're kind of wearing a mask to some degree. Right. Whereas kind right. is very much this idea where they can be firm and they can be boundaried, but very much in their heart. Right. They have a deep compassion and love for people. And so it was sort of this thing like nice guys are more, the most likely to be serial killers. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just it's just because to me it relates to very much this mm-hmm. potential posturing, this posturing of right. something where you don't actually know what they're thinking and feeling. Right, and exactly. that's like the most dangerous thing. When you mm-hmm. like the, the safest thing is when when you can look at someone, whether it's a friend or a lover, mm-hmm. and you know what they're feeling because right. they bring their needs and their emotions forward. Whereas somebody right. who doesn't bring it forward right. is so, super dangerous because you have no idea how they actually feel. Exactly. So I'm thinking like maybe an Italian uh, kind of family or Latin family, you know, they express and they yell, <laughs> but then they love each other afterwards. Uh, yeah. They have that kind of uh, personality. But the idea of um, keeping it within. So I'm thinking of, uh, you know, spirituality, something internal, you know, like a wellspring of love that you said that flows outwardly. Where niceness yeah. can be maybe an external, like you said, facade, right? A mask that people wear totally. to try to impress people. Yeah. Now, the other thing that's interesting about what you talk about, and you work uh, apparently with relationships a lot, you know, male, female, yeah. or other kind of relationships. Yeah. You say the thing that healthy love is monsters on a leash. So where you can express, you know, the anger, but without trying to hurt the person. In other words, maintain yeah. compassion and empathy, which can be a challenge because, you know, they're, they're saying you a, a jerk, you know, you're this and that. And you can say the same, mm-hmm. but then mm-hmm. it can escalate. So how do you counsel couples? that are angry and then, you know, they can hurt each other's feelings to maintain this balance. Completely. I was going to say that I sound super dark based of all this monster stuff that's coming from <laughs> Instagram. It's like he's possessed or something. Uh, what but was I going to say about that? <laughs> yeah, no, and um, the whole monster thing, I love that as, as a metaphor. But yes. again, it brings to that idea like monsters on a leash, uh-huh. you know, essentially, it essentially means nonviolent communication. Like, can right. you communicate your needs, your truth, your partner in, right. you know, a very, even if it's a divisive topic, particularly what we're seeing with like the vaccines and all that stuff right yeah. now, but mm-hmm. can you communicate your needs when you're charged in a way that actually bridges more connections? So mm-hmm. you're honoring yourself, you're speaking what's true for you. So you're not throwing more crap into the love pipe of your relationship and building mm-hmm. resentments. So you're actually communicating what's true, but it's in a way that actually opens up the floodgates for deeper intimacy. Mm-hmm. And so I really feel that it comes from a place where it's not like attacking what they're doing. It's speaking the impact of, of what their behavior has on you. Right, so it's okay. Right. Like, 
like this is how I feel because you can't negotiate with someone's experience. Right. You know, exactly. like like how someone's interpreting what their emotional right. experience. So I'm feeling is angry like. right now. I'm feeling frustrated. That's, that's okay to say that to your partner. Totally, and totally. We, that's like, like without accusing them of saying you're X Y Z. You know, you're not attacking right. them per se. And 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 oftentimes that's the scapegoat, particularly if we're triggered or something, um, where we go, okay, you're doing this, and then it becomes this idea where it's like, okay, it's not me, it's you. So it's like when you approach. Like you essentially extend an invitation when you talk about your experience, when you actually, you know, you might get emotional, you might be really vulnerable and your partner just all of a sudden, like I always say, like the relational hero is the first one to drop their sword. So you mm -hmm. basically put your sword in the ground, mm -hmm. you take off your armor, be like, this is how I feel. Mm -hmm. It's an intimate moment. Then all of a sudden they become unguarded. Now you have a great opportunity in your relationship. Um, but of, of course we're going to get triggered. Like, of course we're going to have moments in a relationship where we right. just like, mm -hmm. like respond from this place. We're going to respond from our, our child self right. often, but then it becomes about how we repair and resolve that conflict and, and okay. complete it and, 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 and make amends. But um, it's basically the idea, how do you communicate what you want in a way that enhances further communication, mm -hmm. but it's not attacking and antagonizing your partner. So it's, right. it's more of a we, right. we solution right. than me versus you. Now, Jimmy, you're very verbal and kind of like tied into feelings. So, you know, I wrote a book called Love Types, a bestseller on Myers-Briggs and, and relationships compatibility. And I you love Myers-Briggs. You know, we have, we have the thinking versus yeah. feeling dimension. So the feeling male is uh, one third of the population. Are you a feeling right. or a thinking male, would you say? Uh, you, feeling, okay. feeling for sure. So you're in the minority yeah. as a male. So you're drawn to these kind of things, <laughs> psychology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the other thing, um, and you talk about anger. You said you uh, you may have had a problem with anger in the past, where you yeah. pissed off a lot. So uh, yeah. you talk about microdosing, micro I guess, anger, or you know, like letting it out a little bit at a time. If you're not used yeah. to doing that, let's say you're overly polite and you don't want to offend people and things like that. Mm -hmm. But then on the other hand, I mean, how 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 much do you go to the other side? Because you could be at a restaurant and you could be a Gordon Ramsay. I hate this food; it's terrible. Do you do that? Are you rude or how do you express your anger in a considerate way? I definitely, um, you know, I was the guy growing up who would be, say there was like a, you know, someone lipping off my group of friends, I would verbally lip right off. And I'm, I still have that in me to this day. Um, and, and I've gotten way better control. It doesn't mean I'm perfect, but I still have my moments where. Okay, Jamie, you're moving down to LA and we have a lot of traffic. And you know the term road rage. Someone yeah. cut you off. What's your response today, Jamie? Well, you know, Sorry, my, my earphone just fell out. Well, it becomes a great opportunity. And like when I talk about microdosing, mm -hmm. essentially like the moment that I refer to is that moment where say someone does something and it's like, ooh, like it just didn't sit quite right in your body. It's just like something like didn't feel quite right. So it's that little right. kind of jolt. Okay. And, you know, say, say it's just with your buddy or something. You know what I mean? He, he canceled last minute. He's been doing it a lot. Um, so you kind of feel this little jewel that, you know, so are you going to harbor it pushed under the rug, which is going to fill up resentment in the relationship, or are you going to approach it directly in a way, again, what I kind of referred to where it becomes right. a we solution. This is how I'm feeling. Okay. I don't want, I don't want to put you in the wrong, but when you can kind of tune in, in that small moment, okay. that little jolt, then you're able to right. slowly incrementally build a tolerance in your body to hold it. So uh, when you're in road rage. Okay. So, so give me that example. Can, Cause uh, okay. I, I want to see you driving on the freeway. The guy cuts you off. What do you do? Yeah. Well, I always think first off, there's absolutely nothing. This is a moment that's going to pass immediately right right away wow. this person's like like what are we going to do are, am i going to finger him yell out my window and yeah. it's never going to be resolved okay basically knowing that like mm. this guy's going to leave so it's it's having enough mm. to hold even in even the the 
the future, what's going to happen is that he's going to drive down the line and it's going to ruin your day. There's nothing you can do. So it's basically becoming two like charged egos in that moment where it's like, you know, I wanted to get in front of you. And you see it a lot, even when people are driving where, where you kind of are going past someone, it pisses them off and they start Mm -hmm. driving so fast and going ahead of you. And it's kind of like, What's kind of the point of that? You know that person was kind of right. triggered and activated. Well, and the shoot today, you may have evolved, but like years ago, were you different? Would you have cursed someone out? Would you have been angry? Oh yeah, <laughs> I would have. I, I would have. I would have. I would have called them every bad word right, under right. the book. Yeah, um, some people even pull over and you know want to fight. I mean, unfortunately, people have been killed on the road, so it can yeah. be pretty crazy out there. Out here. Well, there's lots of there's lots of you know, we just can build up a lot of things that we can regret when we activate from that place. Just think of it like when you're in your. When you're with your partner and you're activated and triggered and all of a sudden you say something that becomes hurtful to them or, or, or you threaten the relationship, you always feel like shit afterwards. You always feel like crap. You're like, I wish I hadn't have done that because that wasn't really, really what's true. So it's mm-hmm. like I find with anger, it's can you hold anger and stay connected to your heart? So essentially if you can like move the rage – if you can move that and fill your heart till your heart's on fire, yes. I mean, because anger is an activist emotion. Anyone who stands for something is in, is in a form of healthy anger. Yes, that's a good point. I like to say, like, you know, feel the anger fully and even give it a color, like red or something, and experience the redness, totally. but, but don't react to it. Yeah. Basically, you know, you feel the fiery burning sensation, and then you let it go. You know, that, that's the, I mean, kind of a zen yeah. or you know, meditative approach to do it, which is not easy to do for some people. Because you get no, caught up he, in it. And the thing is, anger can give you a jolt of almost excitement. You know, it can give you a, a jolt of power uh, temporarily. But then you do things that may hurt yourself and others, uh, typically. So, I mean, it's an well, interesting challenge, you know, to, to be able to master the anger. Uh, completely. Like, anger kind of does become like this. Right. It builds on each other. You're, exactly. kind, of, you're kind of stacking, whereas the connection's down here. So, you're, you're, you're right. getting further disconnected. You're getting further right. away from the truth. You're getting yes. further away from the ultimate goal the more that you kind of exactly. act on the impulse. Well, you know, in the, in the martial arts, we have the hara, which is a two inches below your navel, kind of the center of your power, your chakra of uh, you know, balance and calmness. So, yeah. moving away from that is when you get into trouble. Now, now, Jamie, the other thing that's kind of cool, I mean, you got these cool catchphrases in your, in your writing. Uh, and also these paradoxical concepts. So this is one I think yeah. is going to strike people very interesting. We get a lot of uh, single folks out here. And the thing is, you said single people prepare to die alone. <laughs> yeah. And you said, imagine yeah. a cracked uh, headstone where you're buried. The uh-huh. birds are crapping all over it and they don't care about you. <laughs> and that's the way you should think about yourself, yeah. uh, which sounds like a very gloomy concept. But yeah. then you, you turn it around and you say, a lot of people, they expect a soulmate to kind of rescue them, right? They're running all their life to find that soulmate and, and then be happy. But you say, be happy as you are now, you know, be worthwhile and of value as a single person. So you don't have to rely on, on the person, you know, so you won't die alone. So tell us about yeah. that. That's a very interesting paradoxical uh, concept you have there. Yeah. Like I, I definitely like to have these concepts where at first someone's like, Ooh, I don't like how that hits. But then you <laughs> kind of explain it. They're like, okay, that, that makes a bit more like, like I'm, I'm kind of onto it. Yes. But yeah, like for any single people listening, like definitely get your affairs in order and prepare to die alone hmm. is the starting point because I think that death is the birthplace of love. Hmm. Um, I think the only way we can actually know what love is, is if, is if we know what death is intimately. Hmm. And, you know, you, I even like to look at this, you go back, it's like, we all have a story. Hmm. You know, we all have a story that we're, that we're living. Well, Jeremy, uh, let, me, let me take you back a second. Uh, this is a beautiful phrase, by the way. Did you coin that or did you read that somewhere? I I, I I mean, I, I didn't read it anywhere. I came up with it. Someone else might have, oh, might have okay. said it. Oh, okay. I like I that. Know. So death is a birthplace of love. So what does that actually yeah. mean? Tell me more about that. 
Yeah, so it means that, you know, we have to dial these deaths, you know, the, you could call it an ego death coming more to an essence place mm. so we can actually open up to the true soul within ourselves so that love can actually be real. Because a lot of times, like, people are loving, but they're loving from a story, right? So obviously it's it's love, it's a form of love, but it would be more of like a, a, you know, an inner child kind of imprint of, mm. of love versus like a functional adult adult relationship yes. where we all have this identity we come in the world we all have this identity of how we used to belong to the family of origin you know how we learned to belong in school you know we kind of oh this is the way i can get my needs met we kind of built this identity but oftentimes to you know that identity or that story even if we have the most incredible parents still does not have us in the place of the most enriched intimacy that we that we could have in our full capacity within ourselves so the right. death becomes how do we kill the story? How do we kill the story to learn what love is? So I feel like to learn what love is, we have to be so confused and we have to unlearn everything we've ever learned about love to truly understand what it is. So it's the killing of that childhood story, which often means getting blended with our inner child, releasing a lot of you know trauma or emotional material that still is stuck in the past right. so that we can come home to ourselves. So it's this process of dark nights of the soul, of ego deaths, mm -hmm. of healing our relational karma, mm -hmm. of basically being in this place where I'm so confused, mm -hmm. I don't know what's happening, so you can find yourself in the truest sense, right. which, which is death. Because mm -hmm. if you think about it, life is a series of deaths and rebirths. Mm -hmm. It's all duality. You know, right, there's right. There, like you sell a house and there's mm -hmm. this grief that comes along with you moving right. in the new house. It's right. the birth. Exactly. So it's the duality of grief and excitement. Mm -hmm. So to know death intimately means, you know, the duality of grief, grief and the excitement and joy mm -hmm. of. And then that essentially means coming home to yourself. So mm -hmm. that's kind of it's kind of a complex mm -hmm. thing. But that's basically how I kind of approach my work right. with my clients is particularly with male clients, is I want them to know death within themselves so intimately. Hmm. That's powerful. Uh, you have a very Eastern kind of approach, which I like. Um, kind of like if you see the Buddha on the road, you, you kill it, which is yeah. kind of the, the perception of what it is instead of the reality. And you seem very uh, knowledgeable and educated. Do you have uh, any kind of formal education or is this all self-taught? Yeah, so I mean, I was I was a psychology major, but I um, at university I dropped out. I never I never oh. finished my my psychology major, oh. um, and so like I'm a certified life coach, so I kind of learned how to coach through there. Okay. Um, and then I've just been like I've been self studying about relationships right. for probably okay. a, a decade. You know, from wow. like the, the biggest teacher being my yeah. own failures, yes. my own well, relationships. Well, you were open about that. That's good. Uh, yeah. Uh, authenticity. Yeah, like like. In a way, in a way, that might actually be another paradox because you know not a lot of people want to talk about their failures and still be an authority in in, in in some regard. But the biggest teacher being just my own relationships, yes. and then also mm -hmm. reading books and 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 you know learning from from other teachers and exactly. things like that. Now you also talk about the idea of loneliness, and we at Love University. One of our goals is to help yeah. eradicate loneliness in the world. And loneliness we see as a disconnection from yourself, others, and a higher nature, whether you call that God yeah. or spirit. Yeah, and you yeah. say that people can be in a relationship or even married and be lonely within, you know, what we yeah. call the empty marriage. There's no sexual intimacy. There's no communication. And they, it's like dying alone, right, if you die because there's not really a love connection. Mm -hmm. Kind of reminds me of, of um, a married couple. They've been married many years, um, and they're always fighting, you know, older couple. And yeah. uh, he said to her, when you die, I'm going to put on your headstone, cold as always. Huh. And then she says, and when you die, I'm going to put on your headstone, stiff at last. 
so so even beyond death, right? They're, they're still fighting, right? They're still conflicting. I love uh, that. But then you say that a happy couple are two mm -hmm. people that were single and you know believed they would die alone, but then they decided they wouldn't because they met each other, and that mm -hmm. you say is a happy love. So mm -hmm. how does that work when you two people individually come together like that? You know, and and I don't think that's a one model fits all as well. I think there's people that you know they can meet someone at 21 and and then kind of get into this work and and cultivate this this relationship even 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 later. You know, yes. um, but just basically talking about, I think I think most people in the world, single or in relationships, are lonely to 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 some degree because right. I don't I don't think the the vast majority of the population are into doing a lot of inner or personal work. Like I think it's increasing. But right. this idea of loneliness, I, I basically see it as like loneliness is in direct proportion to the amount that you actually feel connected to your soul on an, on an embodied level. Exactly. You know, and that could, that could be, it's like the work you're doing, does it make you feel alive? Is the relationship you're in, does it truly turn you on in terms of your heart, soul, and, right. you know, I, other ways as well, but, um, and that also just might mean the quality of your, um, you know, friends, are they in a line group of friends? Do they see you? Do they understand you? So right. I think the majority of the population is lonely. Right. But you're saying that, you know, in the Eastern, they say, uh, he who expects everything has nothing. He who expects nothing has everything. So you're mm -hmm. saying going that with the idea that, you know, I may die alone, but you know, if I do find someone that will be great as well, you know, to have soulmate and connect, but it's not mm -hmm. based on my worth or identity. Another right. thing that's interesting here, uh, again, another kind of a paradox, um, and you can use kind of salty language, but you say something okay. like, um, give your partner permission to be an asshole mm -hmm. at times. So you talk about uh, assholeish yeah. behavior, uh, which I guess a jerk or, a, you know, obnoxious, whatever it is, versus yeah. a person who has actually is a jerk and they're, uh, they don't admit that and they don't apologize. So mm -hmm. how do you do that? So you're, you give them an opportunity to be a jerk at times or an asshole, as you call it? Yeah, well, like, I think a true asshole, like, can never actually admit they're an asshole because mm -hmm. it because they can't die that death because okay. someone's an asshole because it's a posturing. It's a okay. posturing out from self. Cause so again, it's like true soul is here and the true assholes out here mm. and to admit they're an asshole requires dying. So, mm. so that's a death. Okay. Like, like relationships are all about death, even okay. in your partnership, right. great relationships are all about your willingness to die. And so what I mean by that is I mean that first off, we're going to get triggered. We're all human. Mm. We're, we're going to hurt our partner. We're going to offend our partner. It's just going to happen. Right. It's that's the only guarantee in a relationship. I'm going to piss you off and you're going to fucking hate me at times. Mm. That's like the only, the only guarantee. Mm. The only guarantee is that you're going to hate the shit out of each other sometimes, mm. but it's all about the repair and resolution mm. because intimacy and conflict, right? It's like, okay, let's excavate this relationship. We're in a moment of adversity. We're in a moment of, of combat. Let's dive in. And so it's two people willing to die. Mm. Where it's willingness to admit, okay, I was a piece of crap, you were a piece of crap. There's ownership on both sides, mm. and they create resolution and repair. So they actually complete right. the, you know, I think the biggest thing with, you know, is, is conflict resolution is learning how to com complete the conflict, learning how to be okay. We are in, but so many people keep having the same arguments in relationships, right. the same conflicts because they never actually resolve them. They right. never actually die those deaths to actually go and excavate the gold. So right. Right. I think I think um, expect to resent your partner, but I think healthy, really great relationships mm -hmm. are very successful at mm -hmm. taking ownership for the resentment and using it as an opportunity to create greater intimacy. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and the idea of, uh, you know, we talk about loving without expectation or unconditional yeah. love, uh, agape or batki or karuna, yeah. different, different uh, philosophies. Uh, conditional love is more like, if you do this, 
oh, I'm going to leave. Right? I hate you. You know, you're no, not worthy. Um, you know, so you're saying right. that you're going to accept them as human and, you know, with flaws as they accept you. Yeah. And still stay together. Right. If it's unconditional, you want to work through that. But at the same yeah. time, you you want to have a compatibility. I think you talk about you know soulful compatibility at a yeah. deep level, and the idea that sometimes you get involved with people that you call them shadow mates or woodmates that we right. uh, the hurt or, or the pain brings you together. So you try to either save them or they try to save you, and that can be an issue, a problem. Uh, we have this uh, greatest on the show, uh, Harville Hendricks, who's very well known for getting the love yeah. you want. Uh, he talks about imagotherapy, where basically yeah. you pick a yeah. partner. Uh, that is similar to the, the the parent you had the most trouble with. So if you had a cold dad, you might pick a cold husband and try to resolve mm-hmm. it through that person, which may or may not work. You know, it can be a challenge. So what do you think of that? Do people pick each other based on wounds and then try to resolve it? And, and what do you think of that, that aspect? Yeah. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Harville Hendricks and I've read a lot of his material. But um, yeah, like I feel, you know, in, in terms of the whole roommates um, thing where basically it's this idea from my experience where it's you have this connection that's so charged, but it's so completely ungrounded. So you remove from the cell yes. and the, the, you know, the way to um, combat that is to work with your own trauma. And so basically what I mean by like roommates and people who can be really disposed to roommates are people who essentially follow attraction blindly mm-hmm. without any idea of what's really going on. So without, right. they don't, they don't know why. I think the most important thing is knowing why we're attracted to, to who, you know, like, like, right. like why are we attracted to these type of people and really getting to the bottom of it. Right. But if you don't work with any of your trauma, you're going to follow your trauma blindly. Mm. And so basically what you're doing is you're essentially loving in the past. You're recreating the past. And obviously, you know, you know, even a lot of the MAGA therapy, like like when you find someone that does kind of fit that imprint, there oftentimes can be a lot more passion mm-hmm. in the connection. And it's a lot of the times of who we're attracted to. Right. And so I think it's really important to unpack and work with on a very integrated body level, a lot of our trauma. So actually a yes. lot of that charge becomes right. removed. Right. And then now we're in a better we're in a better place. It doesn't make us like completely removed from finding from finding an unhealthy partner. Right. But what it essentially means is that we can find someone that can amplify us. And relationships are going to be this space where you recreate some dynamics from the past and it becomes this beautiful, wonderful opportunity to heal. Yeah. But if we're not conscious of that, then we're basically in this just combative relationship. And if we haven't worked with any of our trauma, yes. then we're essentially attracted to our trauma. And we yes. want to remove enough of the trauma of our right. past so that we're not just like – you know, wet or rock hard for, for our trauma. And we can actually right. find someone, yeah. Oh, this one is someone I'm really attracted to, mm-hmm. but they're also someone that's really, really healthy for us. Exactly. Now, Jimmy, you, you sound very deep and thoughtful and this is serious stuff, but I know you're also a comedian. Now, yeah. can, can we laugh at ourselves? I mean, humor, they say is a very healing thing. Mm-hmm. Is there any relationship humor or dating humor you can share with us? Uh, do you do jokes at all or, or anything like that? You know, I'm not, I'm not like a, like a one-off. It's more kind of in the moment kind of, kind of, kind oh, okay. of you know, like, kind so of when I do that. But, yes. but I think the biggest thing that I find it's all, it's all a joke. Oh, all, <laughs> everything. I mean, it's all, okay. everything's, everything's a cosmic joke. In some way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, you're a human and, being and, and you're here for a, per, a short period of time and then you're gone. So yeah. Kind of, kind and, of a silly and, yeah. and the thing is we're all idiots. None yes, of us, none of us right. know, know really anything. And, right. and, um, Except I think for Reggie, the, the producer, he's pretty smart, but, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but basically just the biggest thing I think of that it's a cosmic joke and with this spiritual stuff, it can get really, really dense. And so I like mm-hmm. to throw in dick jokes 
Oh, you know, okay. you, to basically mix it up. Like, you yeah. know, if things get too serious, I'm like, it needs a really good dick joke. So, I even need, I even need it for myself oh, okay. because it gets to a point where it's like, Ooh, like the imprint is too dense. Right. You know, and I want to talk about buttholes. I love talking about buttholes. Oh, okay. Um, Reggie, and, you're turning purple over here. Are you okay, Reggie? <laughs> it's, it's a PG audience, so we can't go too, too deep in that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, my headphones keep falling out. But, but just, I, I like to well, well, Let, let me you. ask you this now. We're talking about love now. Happiness is the other topic. Now, mm -hmm. you said that unhappiness or hidden rock bottom can be a way to, to learn happiness. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned some things like you're a hypochondriac and a few other things. Mm -hmm. And I think you said you were crying to your therapist about a failed relationship. Mm -hmm. And you ask yourself, how can I be a relationship coach? But then you realize that your own pain can help heal others. So mm -hmm. uh, what's been the most rock bottom thing for you? What, what um, you know, where were you at the bottomest in life? Yeah. Well, first off, I don't think happiness should be the goal. I think feeling more should be the goal. Hmm. Feeling more pain, feeling more joy, feeling more excitement, just being more human, right? Because happiness in a way, you know, sure, we can improve our overall baseline, but it comes a fleeting yes. state because, you know, we're going to know pain intimately. Yes. Um, and so I'm always like, let's just try and feel more. The biggest rock bottom moment, honestly, was these past six months that I just oh, came out of. Okay. Um, I've had many rock bottoms. Mm. Um, this was a rock bottom in the sense of I experienced insane physical trauma because oh. I have a bad back. So oh, okay. I was in Sorry, the no. hospital a couple times in February. Wow. Um, and like complete rock bottom. And so I had all this physical pain, but yeah. as I was going through the physical pain, it brought up all this ancestral trauma, oh, this okay. un this unconscious trauma that I didn't right. have memories from in my okay. body. So okay. I basically spent six months wow. excavating generations worth of trauma from my ancestors wow. all the way through hmm. my body. So hmm. it's basically like for six months purging. That's interesting. But you told me you're also hypochondriac. I mean, was this real pain or did you imagine it and exaggerate it? Yeah. So, so it was real pain. Um, but also it was a lot to do with working with my nervous system at a, at a deeper level because, okay. you know, my, my body, my nervous system was interpreting things that there was a fear of death. You know, okay. and I'm a hypochondriac, the root of my anxiety, yeah. which is just this trauma that I had when, when I was younger, yes. ultimately just fear for my safety. And so a lot of sure. what I went through was having the, the thing you're most scared of happening, releasing so much okay. charge from the past mm -hmm. and then creating a new sense of safety in myself so that I could actually ascend. Wow. Interesting. Now, you have some interesting like philosophies or ideas about, you know, success or happiness. You say, mm -hmm. uh, go for the middle ground, which is push towards success, but pull back to gratitude. Mm. So, you know, some people work too hard, workaholics, but they don't appreciate, you know, the sun sunsets or spending time with loved ones. And then mm -hmm. they, the, the fear is that if I take it too easy, I'm not going to succeed. You know, mm -hmm. if I'm lazy or not motivated. So you say uh, there's kind of a middle ground where you can work hard and, you know, for your things. But then, you know, you pull back and enjoy life. Kind of like you take a dog for a walk. The dog is smelling stuff and enjoying it. And yeah. you want to get back to your appointments. So tell us about that. How do we find the middle ground between success and gratitude? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think what I was referring to there was that. You know, a lot of, um, you know, people, particularly in personal growth, it's like grind, 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 hustle, hustle, mm -hmm. got to have the next right. TED Talk. And, Side and hustles. Way, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so, we're, so we're grinding and hustling. But in a way, the work really integrates in space. And so some people in the world, they might be grinding and hustling so much, but be disconnected from, from their soul. They might not be doing it while embodying and pursuing the sacred gift that they have. Yes. They, they, so they might be pursuing something that is not like a God-given talent. Mm. And so it's kind of this idea of, of our ability to be resilient within our systems, our ability to grind, hustle, have like 
real hard work ethic, but then live in a space of flow. So we're connected to source, we're connected to spirit. And so it's this idea where you can move between creating space, um, feeling your emotions, mm-hmm. connecting to source, and being able to be resilient and hustle. Because if you aren't resilient and hustle, you never actually execute and bring anything to the world. You're basically living in a tree with a little leaf skirt saying, I'm so connected to God and source, mm-hmm. but I never actually tangibly create anything three-dimensionally in the world right. because I don't have the hustle to do so. So it's right. this idea where connect to source, so get the inspiration from source, mm-hmm. but the execution is your resilience, your ability to lean into resistance to adversity mm-hmm. um, and and create something um, you know when you don't want to or sit at the computer mm-hmm. when you're not feeling inspired. So it's kind of mm-hmm. that that meshing of the grinding and the hustle to execute and the inspiration drawing from source is kind of how I see yeah, it. Yeah, I like that. Uh, now, the Eastern approach, they would say you're capable of infinite work if you give the fruits of your labor to God or the higher nature. Mm-hmm. So in other words, you love your work. You know, it's a, it's a gift. You know, in Spanish, we mm-hmm. use the word don uh, from don divino, mm-hmm. the gift from God. Mm-hmm. In your case, is writing. Other people will be teaching, mm-hmm. uh, mathematics, science, whatever your gift is, but you do it because you mm-hmm. love it. And then as a result, you say, whatever comes from that, the accolades, the money, you know, I give to the higher nature, the higher source, uh, and I can be happy and I can work infinitely. I don't have, I don't get burnt out as a result. Yeah. You you call it the process versus the result. Totally. So you you go within the flow of that. That's a a powerful concept. And you also talk about being passionate about your life. Mm. And some people, you said, they're so worried about having their shit together, as you say, that Mm. they live a shitty life uh, as opposed to having a life in progress that may not be perfect, but that's really what mm-hmm. they want. So tell us about mm-hmm. that part. So let's say uh, I want to be a writer, but I'm not making any money out of it. My parents told me to be an accountant and have a nine to five, like all my other family members. What should I do, mm-hmm. Jamie? Uh, you need to embrace the suck. You need <laughs> okay. to embrace being bad. And, and I mean, for example, with the pursuit of being a writer, like you would know you're a writer. It's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's not, it's major delayed gratification mm-hmm. because when you first write, you're going to suck and, you know, they're going to be like, okay, there's no money in this or, or everyone in the family is, is a medical doctor. Why mm-hmm. do you want to be? And I, and I come from a family, everyone's like, you know, mm-hmm. optometrist, dentist, right. um, all, you know, those very traditional kind of occupations. Right. And so, you know, it's not going to be this instant payoff. And so, um, but yeah, I was kind of referring that people are so obsessed, particularly like in their twenties when they're younger of like, of having their shit together, of appearing to have their shit together, but they mm-hmm. don't actually really have their shit together mm. because if we're not connected to our soul right. if we're not mm. if we're emotionally shut down we're not we don't actually have our shit together okay. we we have the facade of having our shit together right, sure we right. have our shit together so mm. i kind of look at it where you can actually have everything mm. you can make lots of money doing something you love you can right. have an incredible relationship incredible right. community right. um and you can have all those things but it's kind of soul first and to go right. soul first right. means that you need to look like you don't have your shit together for a period of time, because mm. the only way you, you go soul first in life is through the excavation right. of trying different things, um, you know, trial and error of figuring out what you're good at. And you can't get the God gift without right. living in the sludge for a long period of time. Exactly. So, you know, the patience or you say the space and gap between the realization of your dream. But sometimes it's hard for people Let's say you are an artist and, uh, you know, I'm selling it on the street. I'm living out of my car or whatever it is, or, you know, I'm having troubles financially. Yeah. But you say... Keep doing what you love to do uh, until it, it comes to fruition. Is that your advice? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just keep doing it. Like like and I part time and somewhere else. I mean, it gets a little money too. Yeah, like like you know having 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 a meal ticket. Yeah. You know that's actually what brought me into coaching was was mm-hmm. having 
a meal ticket because ultimately, you know, I want to write movies and I want to write books and that's what I want to do. So like I want to live in the creative and my meal ticket was, was getting into my coaching practice. Which and, is, which and you, you love that too, don't you? Or no? I, I, I love that okay. too, but the writing and creating would be an even deeper soul. No, it's a true love. Okay. Yeah. And so you basically, I, in my opinion, you need to like, it's basically like you need to create a marriage with whatever you're doing hmm. for better or for worse and hmm. sickness and in health, health, this is it. Whether I got to have a, another job mm-hmm. for 20 years, right. you know what I mean? Like a, a lot of the most famous writers didn't make it till their 40s. Exactly. You know what I mean? And so, because yeah. it takes that long to get good at something. Exactly, exactly. That's good. Uh, by the it way, takes, uh, Richard McBruce, can you come here? Um, I want you to help me out, uh, Jamie. Yeah. Uh, I have here um, a wonderful young man uh, who's going to join us here in a second. And I'm a little bit, uh, I don't know, I guess frustrated because this guy hasn't had a real relationship in his life. He's a very shy guy. Right. Uh, and uh, we have a bet, actually, where I, w- I would uh, pay for his $100 date for him to take a nice lady out. And so far, mm-hmm. he hasn't quite made it yet. Now, you had a nice one that was uh, turned out to be friend zone again. Uh, yeah, she was called just kind of like, I feel neutral about putting it. We went on like three dates. And then right. um, and she was just like, I, I, I don't know, like, I'm just not feeling it. So I was like, all right, whatever. Right. You know? so, right. so, he, so he's the best friend of all the ladies that have boyfriends right. and hopefully that they'll leave them. But he right. that never happens. So what's your advice to Reggie? I, Reggie's your name? Yeah, that's right. What's, like, in your opinion, Reggie, like, what's the thing that you struggle with the most in your relationships to women and dating? Well, I think it's just traditionally been, like, well, like he's, Dr. Alva said, I'm, like, naturally shy. And mm. just I'm really um, coming into my own, becoming more confident. And, like, because uh, I get girls respond to the, um, mm. they sense the my um, lack of confidence in myself. And that mm. turns them off. Mm. And um, but now that I'm, I've come a long way, I'm becoming more confident, more fulfilled, and I'm starting yeah. to see even just that. I've seen differences in the way women oh, interact. Oh, you don't tell me that, Reggie. Right? Love University is helping you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Good for years. Right. Every, time, every time we get a guest on the show, we get <laughs> advice. But something's still missing, right? You right, don't have yeah. you don't have the romantic date yet or relationship. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, exactly. so Jimmy, what can we do to get him to jumpstart him? Yeah. Well, like obviously, confidence is like a huge thing, and just you know, no matter what it is is just having the comments obviously be who we are. And um, like, how are you going about, um, like what's your process of filtering these these women and actually, you know, like do you have kind of a criteria? Like like how do you actually go on these on these dates with people? Like like how do you actually, like what's your selection process like? My selection, like decide if I want to go out with a woman? Yeah, like, like, like is there anything like, like, you know, that you really look for? Because I think so much of like dating is about it's literally about getting aligned people in front of us. And I think a lot of times we can struggle in dating when we're going on these dates with people who are actually misaligned mm. for us. So so the thing is, who you are is going to be the absolute Blind shit to, to, to a woman and lots of women in the world. And it's just about getting yourself in front of those women. So he loves comic books, uh, po- politics, technology. Uh, you know, should he be in front of those kind of ladies? hundred percent. Like, mm. you know, one of the, one of the best things is going, spending as much time in the places that you're passionate and interested about and literally turning up the volume on, on, on who you are. So like oh, okay. confidence is not changing who you are. It's about turning up the volume on the parts of yourself that you're actually insecure about. But, but should so, it be so, a nice guy or an a-hole? Like, you know, some people say, be the jerk and the woman that responds to the uh, confident no, uh, uh, Uber no, macho. No, uh, no, but, no. But if he's too nice, I mean, he, he gets turned down because they don't respect his, his energy. Be be kind. Huh. Be you know just the ferocity to be you and be unapologetic mm. in your that's expression good. of you. And and that's 
that's what's going to turn a woman on is is not that you you know we have the six pack abs or whatever but we're unapologetic in the penetrative expression mm. of who we are. And what that's gonna do is that's naturally gonna filter so many women. They're gonna be like, who's this guy? And <laughs> you, you want so many no's. You, you, you want women, you wanna be the embodiment of you so that women run for the corners. Run for the corners, and then there's gonna be a woman who's gonna be running towards you and being like, oh my gosh, like she's, you're everything that she's ever wanted. So it's this, Turning up the volume on your insecurities and everything that you hold shame about. The more you can turn up the volume on that, the more you're going to get in front of the women that that are your type of So that's another paradox, Reggie. He's saying to be ferociously confident about who you really are. And you're a kind and and, and good-hearted man, right? Intelligent. So uh, that's that's pretty powerful. So instead of uh, shrinking from who he is, which, you know, like maybe a little intellectual, maybe a little nerdy, he, he's going to be the biggest nerd in the world, yeah. right? The most intellectual. <laughs> be, the, be the biggest. Like, go down to Comic-Con, wear, like, the biggest, you know, comic yeah, book. Yeah, well, wear, wear something on your head, right? Like, antennas or something. Yeah. Or something right? <laughs> right there. And, like, you're, you're going to meet your you're going to meet your sweetheart yeah. doing, you know, not necessarily doing that, but, like, something right. like that. Right. You're, you're, you're going to be doing it in moments of authentic expression of yourself. And the thing is, you can't really screw up with the right person. I like that. That's true. All right, so, so go out and meet your antenna lady. This course, right, right. Yeah. Thanks for coming <laughs> in. Thank you. Comic-Con. <laughs> All right, so we've got to give you a advice, a success story, right, uh, oh, Jamie, yeah. later on? I can't uh, wait to hear back. How, how, <laughs> I mean, Comic-Con, I have no idea. I know it's in San Diego, but I, I don't know okay. when that happens. Well, speaking of Comic-Con, uh, what is your favorite superhero? Like, so, say someone that you would like to have a powers for. Because you seem mm-hmm. like a pretty erudite guy. You have a lot of knowledge. Who would you be your you know, idea? I really like, um, I'm not a big comic book guy, but I like Deadpool because he's got oh. a foul mouth. I like, oh, I like Deadpool because oh, okay. he's, okay. he's got a dirty mouth. And he's, uh, he's and funny, right? He's a humorous guy. He, uh, he's humor and like, but he's humor and powerful. And so. Yes. Um, he's, not, he's fearless yeah. pretty much, right? He's fearless. Yeah. So fearless with his mouth and, and okay. his body mouth. So I, I like that. I, like go that. With, and I also like Ryan Reynolds. So, so Deadpool. Perfect. Well, Jim, it's been wonderful to have you on the show. You've been very refreshing, you know, very intellectual. And also, I can see that you care about people. You really have mm. a love to help others and also uh, a deep passion to create and to write. And mm. I can identify I'm, I'm a writer as well. Now, tell us a little more about uh, where we can get your work. Do you have a website? What do you offer uh, our listeners? Yeah. So, first off, thank you so much for having me on the show. This has yes. been so much fun. Yes. Um, it's been wonderful to talk to you. And, yeah, so people can find me. My website is jamienray.com. Um, I'm regularly writing articles on there. So it's uh, J-A-M-I-E, initial N as in Nicholas, R-E-A.com. The place I'm the most active and, and listeners can find me is on my Instagram, mm. which is like I'm posting on there basically every day, but it is at jamie.n.ray. Right there, I have links to applications for one-on-one coaching. Mm. This fall, I'm going to be coming out with a couple courses and a couple group program offers, um, but I haven't announced anything about that. So the best way would be to find my writing via my website, my Instagram. If anyone's intrigued, inspired, curious to learn more, they can shoot me kind of a DM on on Instagram. Um, is probably the place I'm most readily active, and they can get a little more sense of all my paradoxes. Um, yes. Because no, because I'm because I'm, I'm a confusing fellow. <laughs> you're the master of paradox. That's a title for you. I like. I really like that you pointed that out because I, I haven't yes. had that fed back to me quite the way you have, and I, I appreciate. It. Yeah, no problem. Very powerful. 
Now, uh, Ray, how do you spell that? Because I think I have a different spelling of your last name. Yeah, so the so last name is pronounced Ray, then it's R-E-A. So the spelling is R-E-A. Oh, oh okay, R-E-A. Okay, so that's R-E-A, and that's how it is in your website and everything. Yeah, yeah, Perfect. exactly. Is so, there anything so else you, you work I know you mentioned you're, in, you're moving down to the States, and you're working on a book or something? You're got some yeah, going on? Yeah, so I'm, so I'm going down, I'm moving to Austin, and um, I mean, I'm the type of guy, I have so many, like, you know, I'm, I'm just at the end of writing a movie right now, oh, wow. which is actually about um, spirituality. And then I'm just beginning to write a trilogy uh, book series as well, which is about spirituality, love, relationships, okay. and things. So there's all these things that I'm working on, as well as coming out with courses and, and different group program offerings. But Are you a Gemini or left-handed, by any chance? I'm Aquarius, and I'm right-handed. Okay, Aquarius. Okay, well, I can see the yeah. spiritual side of you. <laughs> Gemini. Gemini, the sign of twins, right? Uh, yeah, the creative. I'm a Gemini, actually. Oh, you're so, a Gemini. Uh, yeah, yeah. So usually the creative uh, spiritual people have some of that. Yeah. So, Jamie, um, I'd love to have you come down if you ever get down to L.A or Orange, you know, Southern California, maybe we can do something together, a seminar, or we can do something uh, as a talk. Yeah, you know, I actually might be coming because I'm probably driving down to Austin in October, so I might be down. So there's a chance I might go through L.A. in October. So hmm. maybe we can connect via via email and kind of continue to stay in touch. Yeah, that'd be possible. So the advice is embrace your inner monster, mm. prepare to die alone, but find love if it comes to you, and then embrace your true authenticity, I think, and your love within. Jamie's been a wonderful pleasure having you on the show. If anyone mm. wants to ask any questions on today's show, you can reach us at 310-226-8090. Mm. loveuniversity.love loveuniversitylove at gmail.com so until next time Jamie keep the love and the happiness and the inner peace going it's been thank you so much I appreciate it it's been, it's been an absolute pleasure until next time there's our interview with Jamie Ray a fascinating guy spiritual and relationship coach very early very down to earth spicy and saucy but he had a wonderful insights into how we can really basically love ourselves love others and love a higher nature and the idea that be prepared in some ways for the worst but accept the best the universe has to offer and he gave us a wonderful insights in that. So I think that that's a good message for everyone today. It's to realize that you have a lot to offer to embrace your passion, love what you do, let the process flow despite the results, and eventually you will find the goals that you want to achieve, including love, relationships, financial material success, and also spiritual success, which is the most important of all. If you want to be on the show, you have to have a show question. If you want to comment on today's show or others, you can like us on Facebook at Love University Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Love Letter U Podcast. You can subscribe to us on Podbean, Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can reach us at 310-226-8090. Write to us at loveuniversitylove at gmail.com. And, of course, visit us at loveuniversity.love. So until next time, Love University students, go out there and have a powerful Love University week in which you love yourself, others, and a higher nature. This is Dr. Alex Avila. Put away your notebooks, your iPads, your iPhones. Until next time, Love University. Love University.